You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning. I haven't been here for a while, but it's so good to be back with you. And I had an opportunity to drop in on the Ensenada team, and it was a really uh, amazing experience. And I think one of the people who stood out most to me was Mirna. There's this woman with hardly anything, and she's this table that she lays out for 10 orphans who live with her and many other kids in the neighborhood. And it was such an amazing uh, experience of hospitality. So it's good to be with you for Mission Sunday. And joining with Jesus on mission is core to who we are as a church. It's part of our threefold vision, uh, which is also marked by his presence and formed into his image. And mission is core to our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. So this morning, we are going to look at one aspect of what it means to be on mission, and that is hospitality. As a church, we're in the middle of walking through the story of Abraham is found in the book of Genesis. And Abraham is called to leave his home and to venture wherever God leads him. In Genesis 23, 4, Abraham identifies himself to his neighbors. And he says, I am a foreigner and a stranger among you. And this term, stranger, applies to those in the Bible who've left their homeland. They've left behind their families and all their security. And they're some of the most vulnerable people that we'll meet in scripture. In order to follow God's call on his life, Abraham had to leave his family and live as a foreigner in the land of Canaan. And his son Isaac and his grandson Jacob followed him in that. And his great-grandchildren went down to Egypt, and they were foreigners there as well. The New Testament writer of Hebrews picks up on this theme, and in Hebrews 11 writes the following. By faith... Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were his heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God." All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And throughout the Old Testament story, the people of God were called to remember their identity as foreigners and strangers. In Exodus 23, 9, Moses reminds them, you know what it's like to be a stranger. You were strangers in Egypt. This is a frequent reminder, and it's followed with a command that the Israelites take care of the strangers among them. In the New Testament, followers of Jesus are also identified as foreigners. Peter, in 1 Peter 1.17, says, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. And Paul reminds us of this in Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as part of God's people today, our identity is to follow in the footsteps of Abraham and the people of God after him. We are now in this world as strangers and foreigners, and our true home is with God, and we wait for Jesus to return and establish his kingdom here. Canada is a pretty easy place to live, and it's easy to forget our identity. We have so much freedom to do what we 
want to do, to think what we want to think, to say what we want to say. For many of us, our core needs are taken care of for food and shelter and friendship. And it's easy to forget this core identity as aliens, as foreigners, as strangers. And this forgetfulness is detrimental to our life with God and our mission. And so it is important for us to regularly bring to mind that as people of God, our citizenship is in heaven. All that we have here, our home, our food, our friends, our possessions, are given to us by our hospitable God. And practices of gratefulness help us to remember this. And as we contemplate God's good gifts to us, it changes how we see things, and it's critical for us in being on mission. Because then all that we do for others becomes a response to God's hospitality to us. And so instead of mission being something we have to do, it flows out of our worship. It flows out of our gratitude to God who has welcomed us and cared for us. So as we more deeply con contemplate this truth that we are strangers who have been well-loved, we can have a different eye a different compassion for the foreigner, the displaced, and the dispossessed. And we show hospitality to strangers, not just because they need it, because we need it too. It's an opportunity for us, an opportunity for us to remember who we are. So if we partner with God's transforming power, this image of hospitality can help us expand our hearts as we open our homes and lives to another. And as we're transformed, we'll move from fear of the stranger to trust in God, from ill will, what are they doing here, to welcome, and from I'll do a little bit for you, to willingness to be changed by our relationship with another. Now, according to the UN Commission on Refugees, there are 110 million people who are forcibly displaced from their homes worldwide. 110 million living as foreigners and strangers. That's 40 million more than five years ago. There are more displaced people in the world than at any time in history. And these are the world's most vulnerable people. What a time for us who have a passion for hospitality to be the people of God and to welcome the stranger. And God has given us this privilege at CA Church to use our time, our finances, our spiritual gifts, our relational gifts to be part of transforming relationships globally and locally. And globally, we work with dispossessed people, with persecuted believers who are suffering great losses for their faith. We work with vulnerable children. And then we also have an opportunity now right here in Coquitlam to work with newcomers and refugees. So this morning, we're going to share a few more stories. Thanks, Brad, for all the stories you shared. Those are great. About how, as a church, together we engage in hospitality and care for those in profound need. So as you listen, I want to ask you to open your heart. How might God be calling you to expand your life and to make space for the stranger? So as we begin, I want to start by thanking you. Thank you for your generosity. You pray and you give. Many of you have served and you've gone on mission. Um, and you and together we've been able to make some significant impacts on many lives. Over the years, we've formed relational connections with different partners. Globally, we have five partners and, and we have several local. We have global partners in Africa, in the Middle East, in the Philippines, and in Africa. 
And we're going to start with a, a global story that David's going to come up and share, and then we'll move on to some local stories. So, David, come on up. <laughs> Such a welcoming bunch. Well, past, this past June, um, there was a team uh, of us that so we went to the Middle East, and there was two parts to what we were doing. One was uh, they're building a safe house, and the other part was teaching. Interestingly, they didn't ask me to be part of the construction crew. I know I own a hammer, and I can vacuum and do all sorts of things, but they didn't. Uh, didn't so I thought I'd be part of the teaching team along with Marty. And so it was, it was quite an interesting experience. <clears throat> what we did is, um, well, in, in the experience, I think there was uh, like three main takeaways from, uh, from the teaching. We were there for about two weeks. And one of the takeaways is this word um, hunger. Because as I was teaching on the Bible, teaching on theology and different things, I was teaching to a, a number of church leaders. And in the afternoon, we had a chance for about an hour to just say, all right, ask any question that's on your mind. And man, they were hard questions. They were really hard questions. And uh, they really put you to the test. But these weren't academic questions. Every question they were asking was a question that had practical application about what they were experiencing in, in very difficult circumstances in the Middle East. And so I was just blown away just for their hunger for God's word, their hunger to know God, to know Jesus in a deeper way. And it challenged me because I'm like, do, do I hunger that much? Like, am I that hungry to know answers to some of these questions and to dive deep into God's word? And so that was a challenge. The second takeaway... Uh, that uh, that spoke to me is is a takeaway of story, um, because I heard a lot of people's stories, and uh, one of the dangers I learned too late, um, but I learned that if you ask somebody their story in the Middle East, it's not going to be brief. Uh, it's, it's not going to be brief. Like I would ask this guy, so t tell me how how did you become a Christian? And then after about an hour, he said, and then I turned seven. And I'm like, okay, you're like 63 years old. We got a long ways to go here. Um, but they were beautifully crafted stories. They were just amazing stories of, of the intersection of the reality of Jesus to the details of their lives. It was so interesting. And, and I had heard stories beforehand about um, people experiencing dreams and visions of Jesus. Every person I spoke to had one of those stories. And it was amazing. I remember this one guy telling a story. He says, you know, I had this dream. And in my dream, I was speaking to somebody, and they were telling me about Jesus. He goes, and the next day, through a series of circumstances, I ended up um, getting a phone call from somebody. And it was the same voice of the person in my dream that was on the other line. And, and you hear these stories, and it's not just one-offs, they're story after story after story, and they're all different, but they all are connected to Jesus revealing himself. And so um, they had the stories, and, and not just the stories of, uh, of Jesus revealing themselves, but also their stories of, uh, of hardship. And that's probably the third takeaway, and that is the takeaway of resilience. Um, I mean... I'd be talking to some of these guys, and they're like, yeah, and then last year my cousin was arrested and tortured, and, and then he was killed, and then this person was killed. And then I'm like, oh, th this is real. This is, this is serious stuff. And so you have people who are choosing 
to align their lives with Jesus, knowing full well that it could cost them their lives. Now, you know that. We all know. We hear stories at missions, weekends, of, you know, persecuted church. But when you're speaking to somebody whose friends had just been arrested and killed, then it becomes real, real. And what challenged me is, like, I get all thrown off if somebody gives an angry comment on a Facebook post. It's like, oh, okay, I'll back off. You know, these guys are like, they're just leaning in regardless of the cost. Because the life of Jesus is a life that has meaning and that is a life that flourishes. And so I walked away going, man, I, I've, I got way more than you guys got. Now, I do think one thing that we can bring to the table, and I think this is important, is I think we can bring some theological teaching and some biblical teaching. Because in a lot of these places, the, the, there's, there's a vibrant faith, but it, it doesn't always run very deep. And so I think this is a great exchange. But I'll tell you, in this exchange, I, we came away more beneficial than, than, than what they got. But it was a really good experience. Thanks. Yeah, it was such an amazing time uh, just to see God at work. And if you're interested in finding out more, we are going to keep going back there. And we are going to be taking teams with us. So let me know. Um, but we've been involved globally for many decades in great depth but in the last five to seven years we've seen a lot of the a lot of the issues we're dealing with globally are now people are now coming locally and it's given us more opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and so we have many newcomers and refugees in our midst people who struggled in many ways and so Sonia is going to come up and share some stories of some of the work that we're actually doing here locally all right buenos dias town center How's our Spanish? Buenos dias. Okay, okay, I hear you. Well, it's so great to be with you this morning, and, and I just love that, the gift of language, hey? Just the diversity that God calls us into to celebrate, to lean in, and maybe... If anything, maybe you took out how to say good morning this morning from in Spanish, and that's a good day. But I want to start by sharing a story with you of two young professionals, two men in the height of their careers in the Middle East. One of them was working as one of the top doctors in, uh, in the region as an emergency physician, and the other one was working for a large media uh, company in his country as a journalist, where he really worked hard at exposing the stories that are hard to get to the public view and eyes. And both of these men have young and growing families. One of them was so excited. He had just welcomed his second child just months before everything changed. In a matter of hours, both of these men were made aware that their lives were in danger. Living in a country where persecution and civil unrest is only increasing, these men knew too well that the risk of staying would be death for them and their families. With no time to consider options, pack any bags, or say their goodbyes, these men were forced to flee their country with just what they were wearing. With no insight as to where they'd go or how long this would last, these men took the risk of fleeing so that their families could have the opportunity to be spared from death. And through a series of events and long journeys and trying to find a place that would welcome them in with safety, both of these men found themselves in South America. 
on a long and treacherous path that was the only option they knew at the time that could help bring them to a place of refuge. And as they continued their journey, they were introduced to this area well known by many in similar situations as the Darien Gap. And if you've never heard of the Darien Gap, here it is in the, on the map, but it's located between Colombia and Panama. And it's known as the invisible border between both countries. And this is why many choose to go through that because they're not welcome to travel through all countries. And it's an area of mountainous rainforests with no roads or developed travel pathways. And the only way to be able to attempt to travel through this area is on foot. It also has held a reputation for centuries that it's virtually uncrossable due to the extreme travel conditions and next to little for resources across the stretch of land. And yet, for many, this is the only way to travel in search of safety. Apart from those fleeing within South America, people come from as far away as the Congo, Bangladesh, Uzbekistan, China, and many other countries further out. World Vision actually reported that in August, the Panama's Immigration Service Director said that between 2,600 and 2,800 migrants attempt this pathway per day. It's estimated that if this pace continues, as many as 400,000 people may cross the Darien Gap by the end of this year. Migrants from all over the world are forced to try to take this route in search of safety. And a large majority of all ages, from newborn to seniors, don't survive this attempt, again, to the extreme, unsurvivable jungle conditions. And many who do survive the crossing often say that they regret it due to the levels of forced trauma they now deal with and what they saw, experienced, and lived through. And yet again, many are forced with this as their only option to try to find safety. And this was the journey that both of these men embarked on this year. It was treacherous, and they are some of the ones that were able to make it through. Their memories and their bodies bearing the marks of this journey as they struggled to find a place that would welcome them to find safety. Losing everything back home and enduring an extremely difficult journey, both of these men arrived to Canada this summer, Coquitlam to be exact. Through local partnerships we have begun this year through the dressing room, we were able to be trusted with them sharing parts of their story with us, and they no longer had to feel like strangers within our city, within our community, but they could be introduced to a space of hospitality, a space full of God's welcome. If you're new to our church community or you haven't heard about the dressing room, it actually just launched this past spring. And uh, we're so thankful for the time and service of many dedicated volunteers within our church community and local community that have helped set a framework to receive people in need with the practical support of clothing. To give you a quick picture of what it's like when... Uh, Visitors come to the dressing room. They're welcomed into a space that has coffee or tea or treats and just a casual space where they can just be at peace and uh, a, not a bag of clothing is given to them, but they're actually able to select what they like. For some of them, it's very important to have culturally appropriate clothing from what they're used to. And so this is a space where they actually are reminded of their value, that there is dignity and that they're seen and heard for the preferences they like even with clothing. And so we're so thankful 
thankful to be able to offer a space that we can give good quality condition and sometimes brand new clothing to people in this way. And I will invite you, if you haven't seen it yet and you'd love to pop up to our Mariner campus, we're having a tour after our 11.30 service and also this evening after the six o'clock service. Or if that doesn't work for you, feel free to drop by the office and we'd love to tour you around for you to see this by yourselves. And the dressing room runs in partnership with those serving, again, in local and global communities. And I'm just going to highlight a few of our partners uh, that we've been able to begin or continue partnerships with in this area. And that would be Journey Home Community, which also does refugee settlement work. Tenth Church, we've partnered with School District Number 43, Talitha Coombe, Union Gospel Mission, and Global Partnerships, because we don't only give away clothing here locally, but we're able to send clothes with the teams as they travel all around the globe. And so because of these partnerships and the generosity of you as a church in your time serving and giving, we're able to meet many like these men many families, individuals with love, care, and true hospitality. They no longer are strangers in our community, but they get to know that they have their space for them here too. I was able to personally sit with both of these men during their time at the dressing room, and they shared with me that they were of Muslim faith, and they really wanted to know why we as a church did things like this for people we didn't know. I was able to share that it was because of God and his love for us that welcomed us all in, you and me, we've been welcomed by God, that we could partner with him in welcoming strangers so that they too could know God's love and welcome. In this deeply vulnerable time, they were so thankful to hear the words and see it in practical action that they were loved, that they were seen, that they are valuable, and again, that they're invited to know that there is space for them too to find refuge and safety. As one of them with tears in his eyes shared parts of his stories and he showed me some nice dress shirts he picked out from the dressing room. We were joking, I was asking for a fashion show. Come on, let's see it. And um, he was just so overjoyed and he said, I didn't think that I could ever wear clothes like these again. He was used to wearing suits and dress shirts and dress pants for his job back home. And he enjoyed dressing like that, but he was unsure if he'd ever have the means or a job like that as he rebuilds here. They shared that what they had experienced that day reminded them that maybe they could hope again as they navigated the difficult journey of rebuilding a life here in Canada with hopes that maybe one day they could be reunited with their families, with that baby who had just been born, and maybe, just maybe, life could be good again. I received an email from one of them a couple days after, and, and they were just really wanting to share that they were going to choose to hang in there and that this church had offered them new strength to do so with their love and care. This is a glimpse into what actively participating in God's hospitality looks like. As we continue to learn and grow in hospitality as a church, think about how different Coquitlam the Tri-Cities and our other local communities can be when strangers are no longer strangers, but are welcomed in with God's love and they know that there is space for them, just like there is space for you and for me. And it, only, it doesn't only end there. We are so thankful that God has given us the opportunity to partner with him in multiple avenues to share his hospitality. And I'd like to introduce you to someone very special this morning. And I will let you know that normally for local uh, engagement, we don't 
usually tend to have a plethora of pictures or videos, and that's because we are walking with these people in our local community. And we want to respect their dignity as, as they are in vulnerable times. But today we get a little sneak peek of something special. And I want to introduce you to Shadan. So he is the young man here in the picture in the middle with the green t-shirt. And there's a reason why you can't fully see his face, but you kind of get a glimpse of who he is. And, and I want to share with you why we can only get a glimpse of him. And uh, so this is written directly from him to share with you today. I lived in an immigration detention center for three and a half years. It is a temporary holding place for refugees and is basically a prison. We were not free to leave, nor were others always allowed to visit us. There was a high wall and we could hear the noises of the city, but could see nothing. Foreign visitors, most were from Australia, came and brought us gifts, such as things to read sometimes snacks, toys for children, and clothes. They did not know us, but came to help us regardless of our religion and background. Our situation was without hope, but they brought hope. They always prayed for us. When I was finally able to leave the detention center, I wanted to know why these people came from far away to visit us, even though sometimes they were not allowed to see us. Most, if not all of them, were Christian, and I wanted to know why they would help us. So I began to search for the reasons that why they were so different. Once I was released from this detention center, I went and I found a Bible in Farsi and began to study both the Quran and the Bible. I read the Quran all the way through, and then I read the Bible all the way through. And I chose the Bible because it talked about love, and the Quran made me fearful all the time, but the Bible was full of hope. But I've had to keep all of this a secret for almost, from almost all of the other refugees around me. If they found out I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and left Islam, they will consider me a heretic and completely shun me. Worse yet, they will call back to their families in my home country and tell them I am a heretic. My mother and siblings are still in my village and will be targeted by other fellow villagers. And if it was discovered I joined the Christian faith, just know that in my country it's still considered punishable by death. I know all of these risks, but still I have chosen the path of Jesus Christ, my Lord. This is part of Shadan's story and why there's a need to protect his identity, but also for his family. Shadan was forced to flee his home country at the age of 17. And for the past 10 years, he has had to endure life in detention centers and refugee camps. And yet in the midst of these extremely difficult circumstances, Shadan found Jesus. And as we heard in the story, it was because of the hospitality and connections with Christians, similar to the work that we do when we send teams overseas to encourage and support those in vulnerable situations or facing persecution in various ways. I love how Shadan's story clearly reminds us of the work God has given us as a church to partner with him in hospitality, both globally and locally. And so because of the work done globally by others, we were able to make connection with Shadan's story and pursue sponsoring him. 
And so I have great news for you. Here at CA, we've been gifted with the opportunity to sponsor refugee families and individuals since 2015 through our local church community. And I'm excited to share with you that Shadan is arriving here to Canada, here to Coquitlam on December 7th of this year. Yeah. <laughs> And we, as a church, have been gifted the opportunity to welcome him into our community, to show him what community can look like here as he starts his life in Canada. And we can all continue to be a part of this work, of participating in God's hospitality. And this can look practically. Like maybe you'd like to sign up and be part of that greeting team that meets him at the airport and we all get to meet him for the first time. Maybe it looks like signing up to join our refugee settlement team, and this will be a team of people that will get to walk alongside Shadan as he transitions and settles into Canada. It could also look like hosting him for a meal, taking him for a coffee, inviting him to a, an activity you enjoy doing. What's something very Canadian? Think of that. <laughs> Teach him the culture, and something he's really excited about is learning how to drive. So maybe you have the patience for that <laughs> and would like to do that. He's very ready. But you can also welcome him in by inviting him into your community group, checking in on him throughout the week to see how he's adjusting, offering him your friendship. Shadan had shared that when Muslims pray, they don't pray together, and they don't often pray for others, only if they recently died. And so prayer is one of the things that he is so looking forward to be able to do with people and have people pray for him. Shadan will also be spending his first Christmas here outside of a refugee camp and in Canada for the very first time. And you know what? He actually is going to turn 27 on January 1st. So Christmas and birthday here in Canada. So if you'd like to include him in any of your celebrations or find out in ways you can show God's hospitality, please feel free to do so. We would love for Shadan to know that he doesn't have to be a stranger in our community, but he's welcomed in with love and care as he's part of this new family. As Marty shared at the beginning, we, we can show hospitality to strangers not just because they need it, but because we need it too. It's an opportunity for us also because it reminds us who we are. And there are all sorts of ways mentioned here this morning and also not mentioned here for the sake of time that we welcome you to consider how might God be calling you to expand your life and make space for the stranger. If you'd like to sign up to engage locally or globally or have questions, I know at the Connection Center there's a sign-up sheet and we'd love to connect with you. You can also head to our website and send us an email. And um, there's lots of things we can engage with as we end, end our time here. But I want to thank you for being a church that continues to actively participate in God's hospitality. And I pray that you would know more today of God's welcome for you, that you are loved and that there is space for you. And this is what we're going to do to end our time here. I'm going to welcome Brad up, and we're going to pray some of these things that we've just heard about, and uh, we're going to join God in, in praying for all that he has gifted us to be a part of. And so, Brad, would you come and lead us in prayer? Hey, guys, this is what I'd like to do before we step out of here, and if you guys need to step out, you can go. Let's thank, let's thank Marty, David, and Sonia for what they've shared. One of the things that's come up many times um, through what we've been sharing this morning is the idea of 
the church around the world being persecuted. You've heard me many times uh, up here talk about the fact that our church is not limited to this building. We are part of the global historic uh, church. And um, I'm not sure how aware we are of what's going on in the world, uh, of, of how the majority of our brothers and sisters in Christ are, are treated. So um, recent information from ICR, which is the International Christian Response uh, Ministry, reports that four out of five Christians live in a place where Christians are persecuted. Four out of five. Gives you an idea of how concentrated the, the church is in other areas, right? One out of eight Christians face extreme persecution where their livelihoods, their families, or their own lives are at risk for, for the profession of their faith. There are 360 million Christians facing global persecution, facing persecution in the world. That can be by an authoritarian government, suspicion of, of, of Christians and, and by the majority of the culture, extremist groups that want to push them out. So when we think of, of, of Nigeria or India or China, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, even places like Nicaragua or Cuba, there are people being persecuted for the simple crime of loving Jesus and pursuing him. So what I would like to do before we, before we worship is I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able and let's pray together for the persecuted church. Heavenly Father, it's with humility that we come before you to lift up our brothers and sisters in, per, in nations where they are persecuted, who face threats to their freedom, to their securities, and to their safety. In the midst of all of these challenges, we pray that you would continue to give them courage, that you would give them a holy boldness empowered by your Holy Spirit, supported by the diligent intercession of saints around the world. Father, we pray that you would grant them supernatural strength to stand firm in the face of oppression, demonstrating courageous faithfulness to their testimonies. Lord, we pray for contentment among the persecuted. In the midst of restrictive laws and intimidation, may they find their joy in you alone. Let godly contentment overflow in their hearts and motivate them to lose sight of earthly things and gain a closer, more meaningful relationship with you. As they face persecution, we ask that you give them your consolation. In times of imprisonment, exploitation, torture, the threat of death, may your Holy Spirit console the downtrodden. Let them feel and sense your ever-present love and nearness. May your presence dispel doubts that may arise during these times of despair. And Father, instill in the hearts of the persecuted a continued compassion that transcends human capacity. Grant them the ability to love their enemies, forgive those who wrong them, and extend a genuine concern even for those who oppress them. And Lord, in the face of persecution, give them composure, Help them remain patient. Help them to endure suffering with wisdom and stay grounded in their faith. And we intercede for them. We intercede on their behalf. May they remain firmly founded in your word, relying on your goodness and your strength, confident in the hope that is ultimately found in you alone. And we pray all these things on their behalf in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.